0: Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning, I'm James Holman from the Washington Post and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, November 15th. In today's news, President Trump asks the Supreme Court to shield his tax returns, setting up an historic battle over separation of powers. The House Ethics Committee announces investigations into four members, two Democrats and two Republicans. And South Korea is freaking out as Trump makes dramatic demands of Seoul while turning a blind eye to Pyongyang's saber rattling. But first, the big idea. Using her most aggressive language yet, Nancy Pelosi yesterday accused Trump of committing bribery by seeking to use U.S. military aid as leverage to pressure the Ukrainian government to conduct investigations that would politically benefit himself. Here's the House speaker during a news conference. The bribe is to grant or withhold military assistance in return for a public statement of a, uh, uh, of a fake investigation into uh, the, the uh, elections. Pelosi's embrace of the term bribery comes after nearly two months of debate over whether Trump's conduct amounted to a quid pro quo. That's, of course, a Latin term describing an exchange of one thing for something else. Bribery happens to be one of only two crimes specifically cited in the Constitution as an impeachable offense, along with treason. Article two holds that the president and other civil federal officials can be removed from office for treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. Those ones aren't specified. Pelosi suggested that bribery is merely the English translation of quid pro quo. She says the term is just more accessible to everyday Americans. But two inside sources say that Pelosi's shift came after the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee conducted focus groups last week in key House battlegrounds to test messages related to impeachment. Among the questions put to participants was whether quid pro quo, extortion, or bribery was a more compelling description of Trump's conduct. The focus groups found that bribery was most damning, followed by extortion, and then quid pro quo. These results have been circulating among Democratic lawmakers this week. Meanwhile, the latest news on the investigation itself is that a second official from the U.S. Embassy in Kyiv is prepared to testify under oath that she overheard Trump himself discussing political investigations in a July 26th phone call with Gordon Sundland, the mega-donor turned U.S. ambassador to the European Union. David Holmes, who works for Ambassador Bill Taylor, is slated to testify behind closed doors later today that Sundland told him that what the president really cared about was getting Ukraine to investigate Joe and Hunter Biden. Saria Jayanti, a career Foreign Service officer, was also sitting at the table when this all went down. American diplomats are often advised to resign if, when confronted with scandal, they believe they can no longer be effective in their jobs. Sunderland isn't giving up his post so easily. His attorney, Jim McDermott, says in an email that he has no intention of resigning. The Portland hotel magnate upended the House impeachment inquiry last week when he acknowledged that he in fact did communicate the terms of a quid pro quo with Ukraine during a meeting in September after testifying the week before that he had no knowledge of any such arrangement. The reversal of his testimony prompted key Republican allies in the White House and on Capitol Hill to abandon Sunderland after initially viewing him as their most indispensable witness. Further revisions in his testimony may come next Wednesday, when he's expected to return to the Capitol to address that July 26th phone call during a televised hearing. He didn't mention the July 26th call during his deposition or his clarification to investigators. Sunderland's attorney says his client has the full confidence of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. But here's the thing: when we asked the State Department, they declined to comment on that claim, suggesting that in fact, Sunderland does not have Pompeo's confidence. It adds to the diplomats' isolation as he comes under fire from all sides. And as House Republicans also consider trying to pin the blame for this scandal on Rudy Giuliani, another potential fall guy, the president's personal attorney is saying in an interview with The Guardian that published last night that Trump will stay loyal to him. The former New York mayor added that if Trump does turn against him, he has, quote, a good insurance policy. Asked whether he's at all nervous that Trump will throw him under the bus, Giuliani's exact response was, quote, I do have very, very good insurance, so if he does, all my hospital bills will be paid. Now, Giuliani's lawyer, Robert Costello, who was on the phone for the interview, never good when you have to have a lawyer on the phone for your interviews, interjected to say that his client was joking and was not, in fact, threatening to expose the president. Giuliani then defended his role as Trump's personal attorney, repeatedly noting to The Guardian that he spoke with the president on the phone Wednesday night and Trump wished him a good night at the end of their call. Michael Cohen, Trump's previous lawyer and fixer, used to say the same sorts of things. Bloomberg News reports overnight that Giuliani could get indicted by federal prosecutors for possible campaign finance violations and a failure to register as a foreign agent as part of the cascading investigation into his own personal finances. One investigator told Bloomberg that Giuliani could also face possible charges for violating laws against bribing foreign officials or conspiracy. A second official told Bloomberg that Giuliani's activities raise counterintelligence concerns as well, but there probably won't be any criminal charges related to that. Giuliani says he did absolutely nothing wrong and was just doing, as he put it, what good lawyers do for their clients many lawyers might disagree. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar as this week comes to an end. Number one, last night, Trump formally asked the U.S. Supreme Court to stop a prosecutor's investigation of his personal finances. It's a bold assertion of presidential power that seeks a landmark decision from the nation's highest court, The case involves Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr.'s attempt to enforce a grand jury subpoena issued to the president's accountants for eight years of Trump's tax records. This all relates to the hush money that was paid to various women to keep quiet about what they say were extramarital affairs with the president before the 2016 election. Trump went to court to block the subpoena, making a very broad claim that U.S. presidents are totally immune from any investigations while in office. A district judge, and a panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit ruled against him. All those judges said that this subpoena was proper and that the president's longtime accounting firm must comply. Now, the justices aren't required to review this lower court decision. Four of them have to agree to take it up. But the chances that the high court will get involved increased on Wednesday when a separate appeals court, the D.C. Circuit, said in a separate case that Congress, under a 1920s-era law, has a right to the same tax records and that Trump needs to comply. Those two cases set up a potentially dramatic decision on presidential power akin to when the Supreme Court rendered major decisions against Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. Both of those were unanimous rulings, rejecting their pleas, and they suggest that Trump may have trouble shielding the tax information from prosecutors and Congress. The case will come before a court, though, that includes two Trump nominees, Justices Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. Number two, the House Ethics Committee disclosed a federal investigation last night into a Florida Republican congressman accused of accepting an illegal campaign loan and announced that it's also scrutinizing a veteran Florida Democrat for a longstanding personal relationship with his highest paid aide. Congressman Ross Spano, the Republican, acknowledged in a statement that the Justice Department is probing his conduct. The freshman has faced questions about $180,000 in loans that he took from friends last year during the closing months of his competitive campaign. He later appeared to funnel the money into his campaign account, reporting it as a personal loan from himself to the campaign. Spano has blamed bad legal advice for his potential campaign finance misdeeds. The other matter concerns 14-term Congressman Elsie Hastings, he's 83 years old and his longtime companion Patricia Williams has worked as an aide in his office since he was elected in 1992. She earns $168,000 a year as his deputy district director. That makes her the highest paid person in his office even though there are several jobs that are more senior than that. The relationship has repeatedly come under public scrutiny, but it wasn't actually against house rules to have a romantic relationship with someone who reports to you until this past year. In light of the Me Too movement, members are now barred from engaging in sexual relationships with any employee under their supervision. Hastings tells the Palm Beach Post, quote, My personal business is just that, personal. The committee, the House Ethics Committee, that is, also extended its review yesterday of a matter involving Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, the freshman Democrat from Michigan. She's a member of the squad. She's under scrutiny because she paid herself a salary totaling forty five thousand five hundred dollars through her congressional campaign account. Candidates paying themselves salaries amazingly actually is permissible under the law under certain circumstances. But investigators found that Tlaib may have been paying herself for work that she performed after the general election, which would violate the law. Thickening the plot, Tlaib and all of her campaign staff are refusing to be interviewed by investigators. Another matter announced by the Ethics Committee last night dealt with Congressman Bill Hyzinga's allegedly improper handling of staff travel expenses and his improper use of campaign funds for personal purposes, Apparently, investigators have found more than $33,000 worth of expenses that were improperly documented paid from his campaign account to his chief of staff. Investigators are also scrutinizing several campaign-related trips that the Michigan Republican took with his own family, as well as members of his staff and their families, to several different luxury resorts between 2015 and 2018. All of it paid with campaign donations. All four of these stories are just so swampy. Number three, Trump is demanding that South Korea pay 500% more in 2020 to cover the cost of keeping U.S. troops on the peninsula to protect them. This price hike has frustrated senior Pentagon officials and deeply concerned Republican and Democratic lawmakers. It has also angered and unnerved Seoul, where leaders are questioning America's commitment to their alliance and wondering whether Trump could pull U.S. forces if they don't pay up. Congressional aides tell CNN that the president's $4.7 billion demand came out of thin air. They say that he just made up the number with no basis whatsoever, sending state and Defense Department officials scrambling to come up with some kind of basis for the number. North Korea has launched 24 ballistic missiles this year, each of them a violation of U.N resolutions. That matches the country's previous annual record for firing off projectiles that threaten South Korea and Japan. Now, Germany, France and the United Kingdom have strongly condemned Pyongyang for all of these launches, saying they undermine regional security and stability. Donald Trump has not done so. South Korean leaders are acutely aware that this president has said he's, quote, not at all troubled by the launches. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, November 15th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry are in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. It's updated whenever news happens. You can subscribe at washingtonpost.com podcasts. I'll talk to you on Monday.